Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Through 23. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, This morning we thank you for the fact that uh, when we know you, you do change our lives. And um, God, it's just impossible for us to go on living the way we did before we knew you because um, really, God, there's only room for one God in our life. And is it going to be you or is it going to be the idols that we cling to or is it going to be ourself? Um, but Lord, when you come in, you just uh, wash all that away. And Lord, we thank you that we have power to live differently by your spirit. Uh, we thank you that we are no longer enslaved to the works of the flesh, uh, that we have no obligation to remain in them. Um, God, that we died to those things. And Father, we just invite you to come and um, open our eyes to your word as Josh comes. Give us ears to hear. Um, give us hearts that are receptive, that are tender before you to see the areas, God, where you are wanting to take us deeper, um, to prune us more, to cleanse us, and to make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, empower Josh, God, I pray, uh, fill him with uh, the power of your spirit. Uh, give him the words to say to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Am I on? Okay. Good morning. Uh, my voice sounds much better than it did two days ago, I, I assure you. Um, so we're in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. And obviously this morning we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is a passage that many of us have heard probably many times. But just want to give you an idea of where we're going to be going from here. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Next week we'll be talking um, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just not just a one-time event, but as it says in in Ephesians 5, verse 18. uh, In the Greek, it gives the idea of continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. After that, we're going to do a few weeks on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of those weeks will be kind of just a general overview. And then we're going to do two weeks specifically talking about... um, Two gifts, the gifts of the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. As Reed said, we're just gonna bite the bullet and talk about them. So um <clears throat> which which will be good. We're gonna end um our series on the Holy Spirit talking about being empowered by the Spirit to bear witness of Christ. Um and then the last week of November, we're gonna do something a little different. We're gonna just take a morning and do some questions and answers. Um if you have questions, you can write them down and plop them in the offering box out there, and we'll get those, and we'll address those on on that Sunday. 
question and answers um, centered on the Holy Spirit and our and our um, and our series on the Holy Spirit. La- some, somebody emailed me midweek and said, "Hey, I, I got a question for you," and it was it was a great question, but it's you know something completely different. So I should have clarified that last week when I brought it up. Um, so we'll, we'll be answering questions, any questions that you may have, and if there are no questions, which I can't imagine there won't be any, then. Um, We'll just get up here and blather for a while. I'm just joking. We'll figure something else out. So this morning we're talking about the uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, one of the hardest things for people is to change. Um, we, it's hard to change habits. It's hard to change, uh, you know, uh, patterns in life. But one thing that is very clear when you come to Christ is you begin a life of change. You begin a life of, of being changed and being transformed. Uh, it says about uh, the uh, King Saul, uh, Samuel told him that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will become a different man. And it's just the idea that when, when the Spirit of God comes into our life, through faith in Jesus, he comes in and dwells us, he begins to change us. In this passage, um, Paul, uh, here would be my, my summary statement for this morning. We are set free through the gospel so that we may bear fruit in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're set free. Free from what? Free from sin, free from ourselves, free from the law, so that we can bear fruit in the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about what think about the glory of what God does in the life of somebody. We if I were to tell you, if I were to ask you, uh, tell me tell me something that would be absolutely miraculous if you saw it. There'd be lots of things that would be shared, and all of them would probably be good and, and right. We would, we would, our jaws would drop. We would say, "My goodness, God did this or that." We look at the miracles of Christ in the Scriptures when He rose the dead, uh, when He, I uh, when He raised the dead, or when He healed blind eyes, or when He turned water into wine. All these miracles that He did, and yet, one of the greatest miracles, or maybe the greatest miracle, is the work of God in the heart of a person. The work, the work of God in the heart of a person who's dead in their sins. Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our sins and transgressions. And it was then that we were made alive. So you, you, you think of uh, who, everyone here who believes in Christ, you were raised from the dead. You were raised up from the dead. You were one time dead. More dead in, in a more permanent way or more eternal way you were dead than if you had keeled over and croaked and just got buried in the ground. You were spiritually dead and you were made alive. So God comes and he changes us and he takes our hearts and he takes all the stuff in our lives and he begins to work them out. Um, the heart is, it's not, obviously it's not talking about the, you know, the beating heart that pumps blood to the rest of our body. It's talking about the seat of our mind, will, and emotions. And God comes and he changes that. And it's God the Holy Spirit who indwells us and he begins to change us. Proverbs, excuse me, Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the issues of life. So from our hearts is where we live. You know, it's not, we're not just evolutionary, you know, robots marching around just doing whatever, you know, biology tells us to do. We live from our hearts. Jesus said, from out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. He said, it's, what, what goes into your body doesn't defile you. It's what comes out, because what comes out comes out of your heart. 
lusts and adulteries and murder, murderous thoughts and things like that. So we need our hearts changed. This is a really miraculous work. This is a really miraculous work when God comes, God the Holy Spirit comes into our life and begins sorting things out, begins taking out and putting in. Jeremiah 13.23 says this. He asks uh, Jeremiah, or God through Jeremiah, asks a rhetorical question. He says, can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Or can a leopard, a big African cat, can they change the spots that are on their bodies? He says, so neither can you who are accustomed to doing evil, do good. We need our hearts changed. We need the Spirit of God to come into our lives and change us at the core of our being. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, a verse we love here because it it just declares what God does. He says, when, when we come to Christ, it says, whoever is in Christ, he is a new creation. But it goes on to say, the old has passed away and new things have come. Old is, is that going out? New things are coming in. So we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which is this inner work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what does Paul have in mind here when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit? And I want to break this message down in three kind of larger sections. The first is, I just want to talk about what does Paul have in mind when he's talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit? The second section is I just want to quickly go through each one that's mentioned. Each of these um, character qualities, each of these qualities that are part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then the third section, I just want to bring some application. How do we partner with God in this work of Him changing us? So what is Paul talking about here? Uh, well, the Bible uses this analogy of fruit in a few different ways. The New Testament does. I don't think Paul here means that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is just the result of good choices. You know, the, the Bible talks about you, you will reap what you sow. You know, you, if you make poor choices, the, the reality is you're going to reap bad results. Okay, I don't think that's primarily what Paul's talking about here. And I also don't think he's talking about success in ministry. I don't think he's talking about bearing fruit, seeing people safe through your ministry. I think that's important. I think that's great. We should want that. But Paul, I don't think, is talking about that here. I think Paul's talking about the inner transformation of the work of the Holy Spirit that makes us more like Jesus Christ. That makes us more like him, that makes us live more like him, that makes us think more like him, that makes us speak more like him. That makes us live among other people more like Jesus did and would and does. There's a book that was written um, a few hundred years ago by a guy named, uh, maybe 200 years ago, by a guy named Henry Skugel. And it, uh, the, the title of the book is a wonderful book. So it's, it's a little, it's a little, you know, uh, archaic. It was written a long time ago by a guy named, a guy in Scotland. But uh, it's called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. And it's a powerful, powerful book. And that is, I think, what Paul's talking about here. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. The life of God in the soul of man producing this fruit in our life. So what's this fruit like? Well, for one, it's an inside-out kind of transformation that takes place in our life. It's not mainly focused on external deeds. Right? Matt got up here and talked earlier about we've been set free from the law. Paul talks about that right here. 
We've been set free from the law. We've been set free from having this, this, this set of rules outside of you that tells you what you must and must not do. So it's not fundamentally external rules and laws that keep us in line, but it's an inward change in our hearts, a permanent change in our hearts, something that happens deep in our soul so that we live from inside out, right? It's the kind of change that bears witness to the Holy Spirit's true and real and deep activity in our lives. It's something we can't just put on. It's something we can't just muster up and do by our own actions. Matthew chapter 7, a a few verses in Matthew 7 that is incredibly challenging to me. I think about often... Um, Jesus is talking about this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 to 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of that, Jesus says, there are going to be many that are going to say to me on that day, that day when they stand before him, when we stand before him, many will say, Jesus, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we heal the sick and cast out demons? It really says this. And prophesy in your name. Or didn't we help people? Didn't we do these things in your name? And Jesus will say to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. There was something that didn't ever happen on the inside. There was no inward change in them. They were doing external things, but there's no inner change in their life. So first, it's an inside-out transformation. That's what this fruit is. It's, it's this work of the Spirit in us that produces something that comes out. It's the inner life, quality, and character of Christ being produced in us, that that certainly comes out, but it starts inward. It's also not an instantaneous change or transformation, but it's incremental. Don't you just breathe a sigh of relief when I say that? It's not an instantaneous change where it all comes at once, right? And you look at others and say, oh my goodness, I'm not like them. Or you look at Jesus and say, man, I fall short. Join the club, Right? It's an, it's an incremental change. Think of how fruit grows. We planted trees uh, a couple summers ago. Uh, one of them didn't work out so well. It's dead. The other one blew down in one of these windstorms. But one of them is starting to bear a little bit of fruit. <clears throat> right? But it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen. In, in fact, it didn't happen the whole first summer. We didn't see anything. We saw some little leaves coming off. But now we see little peaches on it. So it's something that happens incrementally. Guess what, guys? The Holy Spirit is on this project with us for the rest of our lives. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing that God cares for us, that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives, renewing us day by day by day by day, now, tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now for the rest of our lives. Now certainly we may have times where we make great leaps ahead, but don't fall into what I believe is an error by thinking that some there is a, a point in time where you reach this place where you are perfected in this life. It's an incremental change that happens ongoing, incremental. Sometimes it even feels slow. You guys with me? Does anyone else ever feel that sometimes? It's not because, well, it could be because of this, but it's not because we're being lazy We want God to change us. We want Him to do something in our life, but it just seems like it's slow going. And yet, if we were to ask other people, 
they would say, I'm seeing change in your life. Or if we were to look over a period of time, maybe a year or five years, we would say, oh my goodness. Not in a braggadocious way, we would say, oh my goodness, God has been working in my life. I see in some of these areas, this used to really frustrate me or bother me. I used to really struggle in this area of purity or whatever, and God is changing me. So it's not an instantaneous change, but it's an incremental change, this work of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Notice also, it's not a vague, ambiguous change, but it's something that's definite. Something that's definite. It's not just, you know, God is doing something in my life. I mean, I think it's okay to say that, but I don't think it's okay just to say that. No, I mean, Paul gives us a list here. Not, not, not even just Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul gives us a list here of character qualities, of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, qualities that ought to be growing in our life. Definite things, not just ambiguous things. Like I'm feeling something or God is doing something vague and unsure in my life. So again, it's okay to say that, but it's better, I think, to say he's doing something definite in my life. He's making me a more loving person. He's filling me with his joy. He's giving me peace. He is working patience in me. Sometimes I wonder if he's working patience into me, but I know that I have five kids. I, I have five kids. I love my five kids, but I know that he's using them still in my life to teach me patience and work patience in my life. So it's not just vague, but it's definite transformation that the Holy Spirit is doing. And I've already talked about this, but it's a miraculous work, brothers and sisters. It is a miraculous work. It is not something you could produce on your own. I heard some somebody one time say, um, <clears throat> well, I can't remember exactly the way it goes, so I won't even go there. It, it, is, it is a work of the Spirit it is a miraculous work. It's a work that only God can perform. This change isn't about cleaning up your old self. It's not about trying to put some nice clothes on a dead corpse to make it look nice. It's an inner renewing by the Holy Spirit. It's something that only God can do. And this is what God is up to. And notice also, it's a package deal. Amen. It's a package deal. Look at verse 22, what it says. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruit. Not fruits. See the difference? Fruit. Say fruit. fruit. Say not fruits. not fruits. Okay? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not fruits of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you have one or the other. You know, it's not like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, where maybe you lean toward one or a couple or feel like God has given you a, a gift, you know, or not all heal, not all prophesy, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. It's not like that. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's like getting a full package full of lots of different kinds of fruit. The whole package is given. The whole package is worked into the life of someone who's indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's all of these things. Don't say, well, you know, uh, I think I have the fruit of patience, but not the fruit of love. No, 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 no. 
the Holy Spirit is working love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in each one of us. It's a whole package, and I find that deeply, deeply encouraging. So let's jump through, not jump through, let's walk through real quick. Um, Each one of these in this list, each one of these in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, each one of these in the package of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and just talk briefly about them. And listen, um, chances are as we go through them, you might be challenged and just say, oh man, I need to grow in that. Guess what? So do I. Uh, And that's okay. We need to humble ourselves before God and say, God, help me. God, grow these things in my life. God, grow me in these areas. The first is love. And why wouldn't love be the first, right? The first is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. Not eros love, which is romantic love. It's not that. It's not phileo love, which is brotherly love. But it's the other kind. It's the supreme kind of love. It's agape love. You guys ever heard of the word agape it's, it's agape love. It's the kind of love that, that only God can give. It's the kind of love that loves and loves and loves and gives and gives and gives. It has sacrifice at its core and sacrifices and lays down its life expecting nothing in return. It's not being in love with somebody where you're attracted to somebody or that sort of thing. That's good. But it's not that. It's not phileo. It's not brotherly love where you just, you know, have a camaraderie with somebody else. It's this agape kind of love. This otherworldly kind of love that only God can produce. This is what God is producing in us. Agape love. Sacrificial love. Mothers, you know what this love is. At least in measure, you know what it is. You, you have children. And you have a child or children, and you love them, and you would do anything for them, and you went through great pain to bring them into this world, and to keep them alive and well. This is the kind of love that God, the Holy Spirit, is producing in the life of a believer, agape love, where we love God in return, we love Him in return. And it's the kind of love that he produces in us, but it certainly goes back to him, and we would do anything for him because we love our Savior and our King Jesus. And it goes out toward others, doesn't it? It's not just this, it's not just vertical, it's horizontal, it goes out. This is the love the Holy Spirit produces in us. What's the opposite of this? The opposite is selfishness. The opposite of agape love is not hate, it's selfishness, it's living for self. It's having self at the center. The fruit of the Spirit is love. But the fruit of the Spirit is also joy. 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 I've shared this before, but we we had someone, he was a pastor from another church that came in here one time. And, um, and he, he and I were talking afterwards. Uh, he was just, he was just visiting. And he and I were chatting afterwards and he said, I gotta tell you, I, I just visit churches from t- time to time and God's people by and large are not full of joy. And it broke my heart for him to say, I don't think he was saying that about this church, but he's just saying, just generally speaking, God's people are not full of joy. Because joy is different from just 
happiness, right? The American dream is, or uh, I think it's American, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? The pursuit of being happy, pursuing what makes me happy. That's not joy. In fact, that might be the road to great sorrow. Joy is primarily joy in God, joy in Christ, the joy that the Holy Spirit produces in us, not just happiness. So the opposite or the counterpart, of course, would be sorrow, despair, depression, things like that. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter says, um, though we haven't seen Jesus, we know him. And though we don't see him now, we rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book called Joy Unspeakable. It's talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he, he, would, he would say that verse, I mean, that, that kind of glorious joy is something that the Holy Spirit ex- just releases and explodes into our life. He probably wouldn't use those words, but that's the word I'd use. Joy in God, joy through the Holy Spirit, the, the kind of joy that, that only God can give us, not the ups and downs of life and circumstances. We have those. But it's not joy I'm on cloud nine because, you know, you fill in the blank, this is going well. But it is joy in God. It is joy in the gospel, the kind of gospel joy that the Holy Spirit produces. Psalm 16, David, King David, who knew joy in God. He said, in your presence, God, is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is also peace. Holy Spirit wants to produce peace in our lives. The opposite of this, of course, is anxiety and turmoil and being in angst all the time. The Holy Spirit wants to produce peace in our lives where we know that we are at peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit comes when we believe in Christ. And what does he do? He washes over us this peace that we know everything is okay with God now. This was, the great, uh, this was one of the great discoveries of the Reformation. Martin Luther said, we can have peace with God. Not by strenuous, articulate adherence to some kind of religious code, but simply through faith in Jesus. Peace. The Holy Spirit produces peace. Peace with God, and then when we have peace with God, it produces peace with others. The Holy Spirit produces this in our life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. A word that used to be used for this, in fact, I think the King James probably translates it this, is long-suffering. You guys ever heard of that word before? Long-suffering. To suffer long. <laughs> that doesn't sound very nice to to long suffering, to be able to suffer through things long, or to suffer with other people for a period of time, for a long time. Patience. The Holy Spirit wants to produce patience in our lives. Of course, the opposite of this is being irritated or irritable or easily frustrated. The Holy Spirit produces patience long-suffering, where we're able just to suffer along with people and situations and circumstances that aren't 
lining up the way that we want them to or not going well for us. The Holy Spirit produces this in our lives. The Holy Spirit also produces the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness. The counterpart is being cruel or mean. The Holy Spirit produces kindness in our lives. I think of how Romans 2 verse, uh, I'm not sure what verse, Romans 2 says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. The, the Lord is incredibly kind and merciful and gracious to us. And when we encounter Him, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we become kind people, softer people. Holy Spirit produces this in us. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness means to love what is good, to despise what is crooked or evil or what defiles, to love what is good. The Holy Spirit produces this in our lives. The Holy Spirit also produces faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I love, I love when I see the fruit the Spirit producing faithfulness in people's lives. I love, faithfulness is a rare quality. It's a rare, I'm not, I'm not saying that to bash you, I'm just saying value faithfulness highly. Value faithfulness highly. Proverbs 20, verse 6, the King Solomon, in, in his wisdom, anointed by the Spirit, said this, Many men proclaim their steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Hear that? Many people proclaim their steadfast love. I love, man. I'm just, ugh. I'm, I'm affectionate. I'm emotional. But a faithful man, just someone who, who says they're going to do something, and they do it. Someone who sticks it out. Someone who's committed. Someone who's persevering. Someone who is faithful. We have a lot of faithful people in this body. And I love it. Someone who's reliable. Someone who can be counted on. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is also gentleness. Not harshness. It says of Jesus, or Jesus said of himself, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Learn from me, for I'm meek and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. When the Holy Spirit begins working in our lives, he just takes out harshness, sometimes incrementally, sometimes it seems like it's, but he's doing it, and he's putting in gentleness. And the fruit of the Spirit, the last part of this package, the last quality of this package, is self-control. Being able to control our tongues, and our eyes, and our bodies from indulging in fleshly behavior, sinful behavior. Not perfectly, but incrementally growing. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we grow? How can we... Uh, <clears throat> well, we, do we, Before I said it, this is a work of God, right? Can, can, a, can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? The obvious answer is no. Can a leopard... Say, I don't want spots anymore, and just have it change. No. Neither can you, or me, who is, you know, accustomed to doing evil, do good. So, if this is something only God can do, do we just sit back 
and wait? Do we become lackadaisical? Do we just have a kind of a fatalistic perspective and just say, well, if he's going to do it, he'll do it. He'll do it in his time. And I'll just sit back and wait. I, don't, I think the answer is no. I think we're to cooperate with God. I think the way that God changes us is through means. You know what I mean by that? There are means that lead us to an end. The end is we want to be changed. We want to be transformed into the image of Christ. But there are means that God uses. And I don't have all of them down, but here are some of them. I think we can cooperate with God. One is the Word. The Word. God's Word. The Scriptures. Psalm 1 talks about a man who doesn't stand in the council of the wicked. He doesn't sit in the, he doesn't sit with the, in the seat of scoffers. He do, he's not with them, but he meditates on the law of God night and day. And what does it say about him? This man will be like a tree planted by streams of water and it bears fruit in its season. Who the, man, who? the man that meditates on God's word. The man that comes to God's word, not just to memorize words on a page, not just as some religious exercise, but knowing that this book here is a spirit-breathed book. This book is breathed out by the Holy Spirit. That when we come to this book that God has given us, I don't mean the, I mean the scriptures that we have, that God has given to us. We come to a book that is living and active, that's sharper than a two-edged sword, that judges the thoughts and intents of our heart, that's like a mirror to our souls. We come and we, what do we do? When we open up the Word and we say, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me, and we read it, we're say, we should be saying something like this, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak to me. Right? Because that's what this is. These are God's words. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for the way that they read the scriptures. They said, he said to them, you read the scriptures, you study diligently the Bible. For them, it was just the Old Testament, but the scriptures, because you think in words on the page there's life. He says, but these bear witness of me. When we open up the Bible and, and we allow the, te- the Spirit to be our teacher, What? He leads us to Christ. We behold Jesus. We see Christ. And when we see Christ, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, when we behold him, we are changed. We are transformed from one degree of glory to another. The Holy Spirit takes God's word. The Holy Spirit takes his words in the scriptures, reveals Christ, and changes us to be more like him. So, how do we cooperate with God? We open up his word and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Show me Christ. Show me Christ. Show me yourself, God. But here's something else we can do. We can engage the Holy Spirit in relational prayer. I think this is something that, you know, <clears throat> maybe because of tradition, I've heard, I've heard some people say, you know, you don't pray to Jesus or the Holy Spirit, you only pray to the Father. And I, I just don't buy it. I mean, Jesus says, if you ask me anything in my name, right? Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to be your counselor. He's going to be one who's going to come along your, come alongside you. Um, 
Paul said at the very last verse in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, he says, May um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You know, I don't think he'd use fellowship if it just meant, you know, some just extremely abstract way that we have no idea what's that's going on. I think we can engage the Holy Spirit in relational kind of prayer. When we come to him and we say, Holy Spirit, change me. Take take my heart, take my life, take the members of this body, right? Paul says in Romans 6 that we, when we believe in Christ, it's like we've been, we've died with Him. Baptism represents this. We've died with Him. We've been raised up to newness of life. And we're now to present the members of this body as instruments of righteousness. Our hands, our eyes, our ears, our mouth. And so we come to the Holy, we say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Change me. Make me more like Christ. Make me more loving. Make me more, give me more self-control. Here's another way that we can cooperate with God. We ought to, and I I share this frequently, but it is, I think it's an invaluable practice that we all should do. Let's put it out there. We should learn to preach the gospel to ourselves day after day. Day after day. It's not just giving yourself a pep talk. Who here remembers Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live? Am I the only one here? No one remembers that guy? It's okay to raise your hand, okay? I know we're in church, but it's all right, okay? Stuart Smalley, right? What did he say? Stuart Smalley said something like this. I can't remember exactly. He says, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That's not gospel preaching, okay? Gospel preaching is we come to God and we say, God, I am accepted through the righteousness and blood of Jesus alone, right? We sing a song, on Christ a solid rock, or a solid rock. The first line, I don't know if it gets any better than that. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What about starting your day, every day, this way? This way. Saying, I am accepted today through the righteousness and blood of Jesus. And allowing the Holy Spirit and, and, then, and then coming to God and saying, today there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ. Today, the law, the law of the Spirit of life is at work in my life today. Preaching the gospel to yourself in that way. You see, fruit comes from the kind, or the kind of fruit that is, that is produced comes from the kind of tree you are. Right? I planted a peach tree. And I can long, and that's the only one that's living anymore, okay? That's the only one that's alive anymore of the three fruit trees that we planted. I can long with all my heart until the cows come home that cherries come off that tree. It won't happen. Are you a tree that's been planted in Christ? Have you been planted in Christ? You need to start your day I would say every day, as often as you can remember, maybe write it down and put it on your phone. Do so many things on your smartphones. Put a reminder on there. Preach the gospel today. Start with yourself. To establish your heart in Christ. To establish your heart in Jesus. 
Paul says, as you have been planted in Christ, or as you are in him, so, or as you, um, you, you shared it the other day. It's in Colossians. As you, um, anyways, the idea is as you've been planted in Christ, continue to walk in him. Well, are you planted in Christ? And I don't mean you can be planted in him and then uprooted and planted again and uprooted. I just mean establish your heart in this every single day. Martin Luther had this, the uh, reformer, had this amazing, um, I think, insight. He said, he said, all of life is repentance and faith. All of life is. That we, we come before God and we turn from and we turn to. We turn from other things. We turn to him through Jesus. So we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Number four, here's another thing we can do. And I, this, this kind of piggybacks on something I said earlier. Consciously recognize and surrender to the Holy Spirit. I shared this a few weeks ago. Consciously recognize and surrender to the Holy Spirit. And say, here, you know, it's not just change me, but here I am. Here are the members of this body. I live for you. These hands are no longer mine. These eyes are not mine. These ears are not mainly mine. Yeah, I mean, I'm in this tent, right? But they're yours. Do what you will with them. <clears throat> and the last one, and this might be a bit challenging, but I think it might be, because it might be the most counterintuitive, it might be the most necessary for us. What I mean by that is because we don't, Maybe do this. Thank the Father for the pruning work that he does in your life. I I like saying this. If a tree could speak when it's being pruned, you know what it would say? Ouch. (laughs) Don't do that. I don't like that. That hurts. And yet, a healthy or a tree needs to be pruned in order that it may be more healthy. Uh, we didn't do it this year, so it didn't grow as much as we would have liked, but we had this willow tree. And um, two years ago, we pruned it. Actually, I think Alyssa and her mother did. I didn't do anything with it. Um, and it grew a ton. I mean, noticeably. John 15, of course, says, um, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that bears fruit, it's pruned so that it can bear more fruit. But pruning is painful. It's uncomfortable. And in our flesh, we just don't like it. But when we know that our Father is kind and loving and that he knows what he's doing and that he is, you know, he, to give you another analogy, he's, you know, he, he, he's making this sculpture and he has to chisel things off. But the end product, he knows it's going to be beautiful. He knows it's going to be this immaculate sculpture. But things need to be broken off and it's painful. But he's a kind and loving Father He's doing it for his own glory, first and foremost, but he's also doing it for our good. Do you know that sometimes it would be the cruelest 
the cruelest thing in the world for our loving, kind, wise Father to give us what we want. You know that? If my daughter Olivia, she's 10, just turned 10, asked me, to, asked me if she could drive a car, <clears throat> there's a number of reasons why I would not do that. Um, my older daughter, who's pretty responsible, she's 14, or she's going to be 14 pretty soon. I'm nervous about letting her drive a car. It's against the law for one, but why wouldn't I let her do that? It wouldn't be good for her, right? That would be harmful. She might say, but daddy, I really want to. That'd be so much fun. Dad, dad, do you love me? Please, dad, do it for me. Let me drive the car, please. It would be incredibly harmful to let her do that. And sometimes it'd be harmful for God to give us what we want rather than what we need. And so, I don't know. Can we think of things today and say, if my father is sovereign and he's good and he's kind and he's loving, this hard thing in my life or these things that are challenging and difficult, is this the hand of my father changing me? Forming me into a tree that can bear much fruit, a blossoming, great, mighty tree that can produce much fruit. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so, it might take courage, but I encourage you, Thank the Father. Sometimes I say this, I mean, and because I know that, the, I mean, with fear and trembling, right? I say, Father, you are good and wise, and I know that because of your word, not just not because I, you know, not not because I, you know, just happen to come up with that myself. You're good and wise and kind. Prune me so that I may bear more fruit. I mean, that's God's purpose. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to bear fruit, much fruit, and that your fruit would last. So I say, Father, with fear and trembling, I say, prune me, cut things off me. And just in the last couple of days, I know that he's doing it. I haven't, it's like until this morning, I probably wasn't able to see it clearly. But I know that he is. And so we should say, thank you, Father, for your good and kind work so that I can look more like Christ and less like Josh. <clears throat> so in conclusion, Romans 8.29 says, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers. Today's message, I hope you feel like, is good news. That God the Holy Spirit has been given we're talking, we're talking about a lot of different ways he's been given, but that God the Holy Spirit's been given to us to indwell us and to change us from the inside out to make us more like Christ, this miraculous, otherworldly kind of work that only God can do. This incremental work that seems like it's going on and on. Sometimes it seems like it's taking a long time. Like, God, would you just do this now? But he's doing it. And he'll continue to do it. 
Paul says this in Philippians 1. He says, I am confident of this. You know what I'm going to say? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I just encourage you this morning, as I'm closing in prayer, just to engage with the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's in you, but he's also just here present among us to engage with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to come, to change, to produce these things in your life. Engage with him. Father, thank you for the work of Jesus through the cross and resurrection. And he ascended on high and you gave him the Holy Spirit so that he could pour out the Holy Spirit upon us, upon your people. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for the indwelling spirit who is now in us at work. God, your word says that though this outer man is wasting away, God, this body is growing, it's getting older and it's going to waste away. Our inner man is being renewed day by day by your spirit. God, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would do everything that is in your heart to do to change us, to make us more like Christ, to produce these things in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That we would look so eerily similar to Jesus. Not our facial features, but the quality of our heart and what comes out of our lives. This inside-out kind of change you want to do in our lives. God, that we'd be more gentle, self-controlled, loving, giving ourselves to others. More full of joy. In salvation, like David prayed, return to me the joy of my salvation. We'd find more joy in you, God. We'd be at peace in our hearts with you and with others. God, all of this so that your name would be known through us. So that we reflect Christ. Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, do your work in our lives. Just unleash your grace upon us and great power. And may there be, I, I mean, though it's an incremental work, I pray that there certainly would be enormous, big jumps forward in the lives of people here as they encounter you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As uh, Paul said, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You're dismissed.